Order to Three movie podcast for Death Wish, the remake directed by Eli Roth. Yeah, my name is Tom Chick. And real quick before we start, Tom Chick from the future is going to jump in and tell you if you just want to fast forward to the 2018 Make Us Watch Whatever You Want fundraiser drive results. Here comes Tom Chick from the future telling you where to fast forward to. One hour, 21 minutes, and 30 seconds. <laughs> I am here with Christian Marwanski. Uh, my name's Christian Dolphin. I go by The Porpoise. <laughs> Marwanski. <laughs> Sorry. And with a Death Wish there. tagline, I cannot wait for this or these, as the case may be, Kelly Wand. He's like the Equalizer, but whiter. Hmm. Okay. All right. He's maybe I like, should. Yeah, go ahead. He's like Unbreakable, but his hoodie's grayer. <laughs> See? Yeah. All right. Well done. More? Mandy, uh, Eli Roth has never been better. <laughs> I will not accept that one. I, yeah, I, I swat that one down vigorously, really? Kelly Wan. We'll I'm talk gonna, about it in a I'm minute. I'm going to knock that one down, actually. Uh, I'm going to knock it down, too. So we both knocked it down. It was knocked down twice, you might say, Kelly Wand. Yep. Uh, Well, I saw it in German, so. (laughs) Well, stand by. We'll have more talk of that. But first, I want Dingus to tell us a little bit about the movie we saw this week. Not spoiling it for people, Dingus. Be very careful about this. Oh, okay. (laughs) Very versed to Death Wish spoilers. All right. Well, this week we saw Death Wish. (sighs) A 2018 action crime drama vigilante reboot movie about tactical furniture. It was directed by Eli Roth and Ugh. written by Joe Carney. No, Dingus, take that back. Those last few words you said, don't say them. Take those back now. When that name showed up on the screen at the end of the movie, I had no idea. I was like, wait, wait what? What? Yeah, I wrote in my notes, no. That's what I wrote, too. I wrote Kelly Wan probably wrote, yep, the guy who wrote The Grey, of course. Yeah, big surprise. (laughs) So written by Joe Carnahan. Stop saying that. You've already said it once. We don't need to be reminded. You can say author of The Grey. You can remind people of that. Okay, so written by Joe Carnahan. I mean, Carnahan. uh, From the novel by Brian Garfield based on the 1974 Wendell Mays novel. I don't think you guys understood what I meant by Never Been Better. I think it means the opposite of what you think I meant. It stars Bruce Willis, Vincent D'Onofrio, Elizabeth Shue, Dean Norris, Mm. and Len Carew. Okay. I got something wrong. (laughs) Death Wish is rated R. Oh, come on. For strong, bloody violence and language throughout. Kelly Wan, is there anything else that it should be rated R for, or do you disagree with that rating, maybe? Uh, I'd say every bald parent should see this movie while listening to ACDC. <laughs> no, I, have to, I think that's what Valanti would have said. Yeah. Uh, Death Wish is at 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Metacritic average rating from various reviews is 32. Uh, cinema score. Idiots who were given their surveys on the opening night, uh, Friday opening night, if they walked out of the screening of Death Wish, they were like, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, yeah. I saw that. I saw it. So 
B plus on CinemaScore. Mm. Pretty par for the course. Uh, It opened at number three with $13 million. And Kelly Wand, the moment we've all been waiting for, we need a 2018 Death Wapsis. Am I close? Anyone in the guess? Okay. (laughs) Satter Whipsis. Whipsis. Okay. Yeah, I like that one better. I guess. I guess. Is that how I set it? One moment. <laughs> What's that noise? It sounded it's like a, like you were snapping. It's Keanu Reeves uh, lighting up. My housekeeper will be here soon, so I got to multitask. Um, awesome. Euphemism. Don't smoke Death. all of our weed, dude. <laughs> it's Hamburg weed, so it's it's barely weed. It's like oregano. Eh. <laughs> Death Whipsis. <clears throat> like Red Sparrow, the following is based on a version dubbed into German I watched drunk. Actual dialogue and plot details, maybe even dumber. There's some aerial footage of Chicago skyscrapers shot by a guy falling to his death till we zoom in on a speeding car. Oh, stay with me, Pablo. I promise we'll never eat at that chicken restaurant again. Oh, so greasy. I want more. The friend falls asleep. Meanwhile, Bruce Willis has left acting and gone into surgery. Beside me, <laughs> beside me, Charles Bronson's all. I was an architect. What's Dr. Willis wearing? Blue dress. <laughs> Die hard in Russia, Jesus. Bruce Willis does open heart surgery for a while on a guy's chest, then goes, "Okay, uh, somebody else sew him up. I can't do it in these stupid gloves." <laughs> Tell the family again how sorry I am that I hit this guy with my car. <laughs> Did have the light. He reaches over for a plate with a sandwich on it, takes a bite, then spits out a still beating heart. <laughs> What's this doing between my bread slices? All the life support machines beep and go dark as the patient dies. The EKG needle spells out the words death whipsis. <laughs> They flatline. A German voice is all Das Death Wish. The organs are donated. To celebrate his refund from the sandwich shop, Bruce Willis bails on all his clamoring patients in the ER and goes home to his wife, Maria Bello. <laughs> Why? No. What? <laughs> I know who it is. I, she may have a German accent, but I can tell who it is. He also has a hot teenage daughter, played by some hot 25-year-old. Maria Bellows all. Rachel Weiss backed out at the last second, but at least I'm not the one in Planet of the Apes, Mrs. Tim Burton. Wahlberg leans over to me and goes, I've been an astronaut and a science teacher, and whatever I was in Transformers, my Planet of the Apes is most people's favorite. Willis glares from the screen at me and Wahlberg, then looks at Maria Bello and goes, uh, By the way, you were my favorite dancer in uh, Coyote Ugly. Uh, I didn't dance. I was like the madam. Oh, wait. Our daughter in this reminded me of Piper Parabo. She was my favorite. That's what I meant. Sorry. What were you in? The Mummy? I like that movie. Tom Cruise scared the shit out of me, literally. The conversation winds down, so they go to their daughter's side. Bruce Willis and Maria Bello stand on the sidelines, because there aren't any seats, and they always show up late. 
<laughs> That's how it works, actually. Is it? Yep. See, having kids, it seems like you're constantly waiting, watching the waiting. In the yep. middle of the game, while the game's in progress, the daughter smiles at them from downfield and waves. Hi, Daddy! The soccer balls are in the face. Near Bruce, a soccer dad scowls, shakes his head in disgust, cups his mouth and shouts, Hey! Number 69, show your tits. <laughs> no, your tits. No, the white girl. Hey, buddy, you mind at least shouting that at a girl whose tits I haven't seen yet? Bruce, shh, let it go. I used to date that character. <laughs> Our daughter might be his. The dad's all, yeah, listen to your wife, pal. Oh, yeah? Maybe I'm not interested in what she has to say. The mean soccer dad's all, what you talking about, Willis? Armageddon, Asteroid 1, Willis 0, Unbreakable, Swimming Pool 1, Willis 0, Hudson Hawk, Willis 0, 12 Monkeys, Monkeys 12, Willis 0, Pulp Fiction, Thing Rames, Draw, Pussy, Willis shakes his head sadly in defeat while the guy keeps yelling at him for the rest of the game. An old lady in Hornerim stands up from the bleachers and goes, he botched my grandson's penis extension. Willis and throw soccer balls at him. Later at Farrell's, Willis and his wife sit in a dingy booth across from their daughter and her soccer coach, whom she's dating. The coach is all, well, Anthony, uh, you lost us our 15th game in a row. Can't believe how much money I had on it. When will I learn? Also, for future reference, choking someone's not a legal soccer move, especially a teammate. Doing it six times fouls you out of the game, like today. She's all, oh, yeah, well, guess what? She wraps her arm around his throat and starts choking him. I warned you last night to quit mouthing off in front of my folks, Gary. You going to keep being a little bitch, huh? As his face turns blue and he loses consciousness, Willis and Maria Bella smile uncertainly at each other, as if to say, hope we're going Dutch. On their way out, a valet smiles at Willis and looks at his phone. Some this character will rape the daughter later music plays. That night, Willis decides he needs a break from family time and goes to the hospital to take a nap. Back at home, Maria Bellows in her kitchen. <laughs> she opens her cookbook to a recipe entitled Rum and Coke. As she turns away to fart, the ghost that haunts their kitchen goes and blows the book to a page that says Chapter 9, Salads with Just Lettuce. So Final Destination music plays while the camera lingers ominously on the word salads. <laughs> Beside me, Jaden shudders in terror and pees his pants for unrelated reasons. <laughs> I didn't know he had a fear of salads. Humming stupidly, Bello turns back and stares with annoyance at the book page. Salads? Ew. Hey, wait a second. Turning by themselves isn't how open book pages behave normally. Suddenly, she notices her window's open because she just opened it a couple minutes ago. She farts with relief. That crack's too thin for a ghost to fit through. But just to be safe, she calls her daughter's bedroom cell phone. Bambi, hey, it's mom down in the kitchen. Oh, hi, mom. We have a kitchen. What do you need? Honey, I think our house is haunted. Stick to salads till I can get a priest. What? I said, hey, it's mom down in the kitchen. As they ramble on in this vein, we dolly back to show a guy with plastic skin hiding in the dark in her piano room, giggling. <laughs> Eventually, the robbers tire of the mother-daughter conversation loop joke and hold knives in their throats at the kitchen. The valet's all, 
Okay, uh, Chiquitas, look, we uh, meant to just break into a car out front and steal the stereo, but uh, we got a little confused. So, sorry, my apologies. Hashtag me too. Uh, now we'll just be on our way. Uh, Suddenly, the daughter screams and grabs the guy's knife and stabs him. Although, curiously, she doesn't do her chokehold move now. Honor, <laughs> <laughs> boyfriend coach. <laughs> The robbers all, ow, my ball. The other robbers all, Gary, hang in there. He looks at Bellow and goes, man, if you could just tell your daughter to please stop stabbing us, ow. Bellow bites his hand and grabs away his gun. As we pan away from the exterior of the house, we hear two gunshots as Bellow accidentally shoots herself in the head. Twice. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the hospital, Willis is in surgery. <sighs> Finally, something easy. A patient who wants his heart replaced with pastrami. Over the PA, a voice is all, Pigeon Dr. Willis to the morgue. Uh, not an emergency anymore, I guess. Damn it, not again. Nurse, finish this operation for me. Just sew in these scalpels there and take all these stupid bones out. <laughs> he goes into a hallway. The soccer coach hugs him and goes, oh, Bruce, I'm sorry. I blew my nose on your favorite sheet in there. Fortunately, Maria's asleep under it. Try not to wake her when you go in. <laughs> Bruce goes in, sees the stain on the sheet, and represses a giggle. He pulls the sheet back and looks at Maria Bello snoring. It's pretty loud, so he replaces the sheet. She suffocates and dies. Eventually, he goes into a hospital room where his daughter's in a bed with a fire extinguisher plugged into her mouth and a white turban on her head. <laughs> I, this is how I'm learning German. I, I'm, I'm very fluent in German now because of this experiment. The nurse hugs Willis and goes, she thinks she's Arabic. We start her on electroshock and Ambien tomorrow. We may have to keep her here forever. Willis gets bored and goes to Maria's funeral with the soccer coach. The coach squeezes his arm and goes, hey, man, sorry Maria's parents didn't come. Guess they didn't like her or you. Willis nods vaguely. That guy, uh, Greg Clark. Breaking Brad walks up to him and goes, <clears throat> nice funeral. A little long, actually. Hi, I'm Breaking Bad's Hank something. To stretch my wings, thought I'd try playing a law enforcement official for once. Take that, typecasting. <laughs> Eli Ross saw something in me. Uh, I came to tell you we have no leads on who broke into your house and no one assigned to the case. Your daughter did come out of her coma this morning, though, and say the word. He takes out a notepad and squints. <laughs> Allay. We think it might be French, so we're investigating a possible uh, French connection. Uh, I think valets are those French beanies, like French yarmulkes, like the opposite of an Abe Lincoln hat. He gives Bruce's head a consoling squeeze, then turns and walks into Maria Bello's grave. It takes a crane to get him out. Bruce loses track of time and also his car, so he walks home in the dark. As he passes a dark street, two ethnic males giggle and jeer at a white hooker. One's all, hey, sexy. Knock, knock. Yo, huh? Knock, knock. Hey, hey, come on, baby. Knock, knock. You'll love this. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Come on. Knock. Oh, yeah. Come on, Chiquita. Knock, knock. His friends all, ha, yeah. Wait till you see where this is going. It's pretty good. The hooker sighs tiredly and goes, who's there? The tough <laughs> He stammers uncertainly. Willis is all, he punks. I did a knock-knock joke and cop-out. Now why don't you give me a chance at her? 
The girl loses interest and runs off to watch from a better angle, while the two toughs trick Willis by punching him and kicking him in the stomach. Oh, what the... I had no idea this would happen. I thought you guys would see my point and like me. (laughs) They high-five him, teabag each other, realize their mistake, but then still walk off, chuckling triumphantly. The hooker's all, okay, break time's over. Who's in for a two-for-one? On the ground, Willis is all, I wish I was dead. Come on out to Chicago. We make Death Wish. We'll have a few laughs. (laughs) I guess I better learn to fight or cut to a gun shop. Goldblum leans over to me and goes, yeah, in in, in the first one, I played Freak. One, uh, which uh, was not many people um, uh, know this, but that, that was also my, my character's name in, in, in Jurassic Park. Never, never, never share a scene with a dinosaur or, or, or W.C. Fields. <laughs> at a gun store, a girl smiles at Willis and goes, welcome to Bloodbath and Beyond. My name's Bethany. I think I'm your other daughter. Hey, Beckley's, do you have anything that's good against a foot to the stomach or valets? Screeches into a glass cabinet and pulls out a gun. It's the AR-69. Shoots bullets. Comes with a magazine. She waves a copy of highlights excitedly. Well, this is cool. I'll take 50. We also got something just me today. What do you do if you're sitting with friends at a coffee table and one of them has to go to the bathroom? She hits a button and a drawer slides out of her coffee table. It has a gun inside. She pulls it out and shoots 100 rounds into the coffee table. All the old women and kids in the store clap at the table's holes. Willis is all, yeah, I'll take just the table and magazine. When he walks out of the store, this is a van parking nearby and some Hispanic men getting out. Oh, sweet. Time for some target practice. He shoots the van and some of the guys. The driver tries to run him over, but since he's a bad driver, only gets Bruce's left hand, like the web of flesh between the thumb and the index <laughs> The truck runs over that part of him. Bruce is all from the pain. Damn it! And goes home while the van parts. Later that night, the guys he shot wind up as his patients. As the fifth one in a rose wheeled in, Willis is all, good thing I'm paid by the surgery. Doubling my income. He notices a gun in the dead patient's hand. He's all, oh. I need that. I guess I lost the one I bought earlier. <laughs> Look over there for a second while I do this with this guy's arm. <laughs> the nurses don't look help them to, but he still jiggles the dying guy's hand so the gun falls to the floor. It goes physiologist to the ankle. He's all, ow! Willis suddenly notices his dead patient is also wearing a really nice watch. He's all, ugh, I want that too. After the operation, tricks his medical colleagues by somehow grabbing the pistol from the floor of the crowded sterile shop in front of everyone else in it and carrying his hand unnoticed all the way across the crowded room while they all talk about the operation and the hallway outside, which also has people in it. As he steps it down the front of his scrubs in the busy corridor, it goes off again. A nurse comes out of another operating room, stuffing brass knuckles into her bra. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an underground. Willis, hey, Janice. Uh, 
the next morning on the radio, boy, Dingus, how about that hooded vigilante who murdered those van guys last night? Tom, I'm so glad you said that. Folks are undecided whether to call him the Grim Reaper because a gun is a Reaper's signature weapon. <laughs> or the Ice Cream Man for no reason. <laughs> what? Dingus, so brazen. <laughs> Tom? Tom, folks, just Tom just stormed out. This is not a bit. Please switch to a different station while I go talk to him. Tom, Tom, I'm sorry. I was brazen. Back in the movie, Willis noticed another of his many dead patients is also holding a phone that the cops didn't take. Willis could use a new phone to get with boxing gun, so he snakes it, then uses the dead gangsta's thumbprint to unlock it, although he later discovers that the password is also thumbprint. <laughs> Let's see here, uh... Pictures of him and his family at Disneyland. That valet from earlier eating a hot dog, hopefully. Boost your phone by 30%. Just click here. Sweet. What the? Hang out with friends in valet Friday night and kill Bruce Willis. Well, at least technically I was invited to something. When Willis gets home, he finds the soccer coach has moved into his basement. <laughs> That guy really took some lit. <laughs> the coach is like, hey, man. Did you know there's a gun in your coffee table? Also, all these <laughs> wall of bullets and dead drug dealers. I have the same thing. I sure miss banging your daughter. Can I stay down here till she wakes up? <laughs> Willis is all, uh. As he gets hard, the gun in his scrubs goes off again. Upstairs, the doorbell rings. The soccer coach is all, I'll get it. I live here now. He walks upstairs. <laughs> <open the door. laughs> the Germans are all, what? The soccer coach lives there. Soccer coach walks upstairs, opens the door, and sees Breaking Bad's Hank on his porch. Hank's all, sorry to disturb you, ma'am. Uh, police officer, does Bruce Willis live here? The coach makes a stormy Daniels face and goes, I don't know, does he? <laughs> Sir, dispatch is getting complaints from uh, multiple rapist gangs in the area. They asked me to come down here and ask Dr. Willis to please stop uh, shooting them. They're just trying to make a living. But uh, I guess I have the wrong house. Sorry. Hank notices Bruce Willis's ass crack as he tries to crouch behind the couch beside the coach. The gun sticking from the crack. It goes off again. The gun does also. Hank saw um, <clears throat> for, uh, yeah, interrupting your uh, date there. Willis comes out from behind the couch. <laughs> that was close. Don't worry. It took him five seasons in a dump for him to realize his own brother-in-law was Scarface. I think we're good <laughs> for the last 10 minutes of this shit. <laughs> Hank saw, hey, I'm still right here on the porch. The coach shut the door in his face. Through it, we hear Willis's gun go off again. To celebrate tricking the police, Willis and the coach go to the hospital to stare at the comatose daughter. Willis is all, hey, I just had an idea, a medical idea. I'm a doctor. He shakes the daughter awake. <laughs> the coach is all, yes, someone's getting some tonight. Whoop, whoop. The nurse is all, she just sustained... <laughs> She sustained a lot of brain damage from that knife wound, so now she believes she's Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, the daughter's all, yup. 
The coach is all still interested. Willis gets bored and leaves to get into an elevator. But just as the doors are closing, the daughter barges in going, beep, beep, wait for me, daddy. (laughs) Willis sighs. Great. As she forces open the doors while he yawns, the valet also gets into the elevator with him. (laughs) They all ride down together. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. The valet's all, hey, S.A., I guess you don't recognize me from rape night because of brain damage. Willis is all, yeah, and I remember your face from the hacked phone pics, but haven't made the connection yet. The valet's all, hey, see you at your casa later. <laughs> Willis looks puzzled. He drops his daughter off on the coach's porch, then goes home, where he finds the valet and his friend shooting at him. Willis fumbles the gun from his scrubs and tries to shoot back, but it's out of bullets. He runs down into his basement and sits on a couch, pouting. Dude! (laughs) Damn it. Mom was right. I'm the worst doctor ever. Angrily, he takes it out on his coffee table, hitting it with a feisty fist. The drawer with the gun slides out. He's all, damn that, Bethany. I said just the table. When the valet comes down the stairs, Willis tricks him by shooting him. And I guess the guy not expecting Willis to be armed, despite all the uh, vigilante killings. The next day, Willis celebrates the destruction of his basement by wandering around the city until he bumps into some black guys moving furniture into a building. One of them's all. Hey, yo, whatever I watch Unbreakable, I'll pretend you and Sam Jackson's your Pulp Fiction characters. <laughs> Willis smirks and tries to shoot him, but only too late realizes he's got his gun mixed up with his hand. <laughs> he grins cheerfully at us while back in black plays for no thematic reason. <laughs> Some words tell me who taught Bruce Willis surgery. As I get up to leave, his gut goes off again. The end. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, Kelly Wan, you saw it in German. Uh, I got drunk and watched it in German. But I think oh I, I, I got most of it, right? I love that you thought Vincent D'Onofrio was just a soccer coach. That must have been so <laughs> odd. That's so awesome. That's so great. I'm at the uh, Ferrells. I knew they were dating because you do that to your coach you do that to your <laughs> I have to admit and Chris Markinson is with me on this that when they were at that meal at lunch that <laughs> let me speaking of D'Onofrio um, what did he say he said he, he kind of thought that he that the daughter and D'Onofrio were somehow dating <laughs> because she was more affectionate with him than anybody else in the yeah movie. And the parents and, uh, looked uncomfortable. Like, uh, <laughs> and I was funny. Like, yeah, this, this is a really weird relationship because it seemed like there was more chemistry between her and Vincent D'Onofrio. And again, this is something Chris Markinson brought up as well. Yeah. Then <laughs> and her parents and then, you know, a weird, <laughs> just weird. Well, I get he's it. Her, he, he's her uncle. <laughs> oh, that's even creepier than that they're dating. <laughs> All right, Dingus, give me an over and under. What, what did you think of Eli Roth's remake of Death Wish? None of my uncles found me attractive. Fucking bullshit. What? They oh, yeah, Death Wish. Maybe they did. All right, so under I would put Death Wish 1974, uh, which I just watched this week. Ah, don't and, look. Uh, 
uh, it's really painful watching those movies. It's really painful. But, and I want to talk about the weird sort of gradation. Uh, gradation is probably the wrong word. The weird uh, change in the way the threats are conveyed from uh, the 1974 movie all up through all those other movies uh, into this movie. Um, mainly because with this movie, there's I, I basically like started to chart as I watched it. It seemed like for every thing that I kind of liked about this movie, there were two dumb things that he did. Uh, I, I, I mean, it was, it's, it's an awful movie to have to sit through for me. Um, I re- I really, I, it's, it's a movie that I felt worse after watching it. <laughs> and I felt worse during watching it. I felt like, I felt, I felt worse. Eli Ross work is done. <laughs> <laughs> I felt worse about myself. I felt worse about the world. I felt worse about other people. Um, and I walked out and I was in Burbank uh, and I, and it, it was it was like I was I was in one of those scenes where you're where where you you're just you're hearing people say awful things and you can hear it really loud in a movie and I was hearing that all over the place and then there's this guy playing cello just sitting there in the middle in the of the audience no in the middle of downtown Burbank uh, um, he's playing cello he's playing the theme from Titanic uh, and it was just. <laughs> It was How this moment. Were you? It, it, well, I was not stoned, but it was uh, this weird sort of sorry. American Beauty like floating bag moment, where like in normal si- situation I wouldn't care because I don't like hearing that song, but at that moment it made me feel <laughs> a little better about myself and the world. You felt better feeling. about a shipwreck movie that really happened after being depressed by a fictional. Uh, yep. Shoot him up. Okay, exactly got it. Right. Yeah, understood. So, so yeah. So, uh, but still, this movie made me feel worse about myself, but not in a good way. I mean, like there, there are movies that make you feel like depressed or or down or or harmed in a way, um, but that that are still instructive and and helpful to you as a person. They they make you think. This is not one of those movies. All right, hold that thought because I want to talk more about that. Kelly Wand, what's an over and under oh, for well, you? Well, my over would then be oh, the sorry. movie Revenge, the Costner movie. <laughs> what? Really? Better than this, Kelly Wand, yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm really curious what the horrible things were Dingus heard people say that maybe – but never mind, okay. Uh, for my overrun, I just went with Charles Bronson movies because I actually like Charles Bronson. I think he has a really good presence. Um, I think the it was based on a book about an accountant who becomes a uh, vigilante, so it was more straw dogsy. And I guess the author was annoyed by the movie because his case in the book is against vigilanteism. So the fact that they turned into a Charles Bronson movie where he already is Charles Bronson at the beginning, so it's not that biggest transformation, <laughs> seems weird. Uh, <laughs> So, but it's not a, this. It's not a very good Charles Bronson movie compared to my over, which is uh, Red Sun with Ursula Andress and Toshiro Mifune, where there's like a samurai sword and it's like a western, and Charles Bronson's like wandering around in the west in it, and it's uh, it's better. And it, but uh, this movie's better than Murphy's Law with Sally Field. <laughs> J.K. No, <laughs> this Charles Bronson movie, Murphy's Law, like a later, like a Death Wish knockoff. 
uh, that came out. I think it was one of his last movies. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this movie would have been more interesting if it was like a Hooper turns into Quint kind of movie. Uh, but, you know. Uh, I love that you think his name is Toshiro Mifun. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Really? Awesome. Is that Mifune? Uh, I think it's Mifune. Like, I, I don't, yeah. Hey. I don't, oh, sorry. Because you know, I read Shogun when I was a kid. Italian. How are you going to say hey, Japanese hey, hey. words in English? Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Don't. Uh, my over and under are uh, – I, I can't imagine that it, this movie's terrible. It just further reinforces my idea that Eli Roth is just a horrible director and more importantly, he's just a terrible tone-deaf sto- storyteller who just has no idea what he's doing and even how to do what he's trying to do. Uh, and it's a completely forgettable movie. I'm really curious how it made Dingus feel worse about himself because this movie didn't make me feel anything. This movie no, was it was so pulp. inconsequential. It was pulp. It was poorly done. It wasn't. It didn't Boiler. do what it tried to do. It wasn't the least bit provocative. It uh, wasn't. Right. It didn't even understand the exploitation angle that the original Death Wish movies were going for. The right. same way that Eli Roth's cannibal movie didn't understand how skeezy those Italian cannibal movies were. Eli Roth has no idea what he's freaking doing. Uh, so my under is a similar movie that's a remake of a a gross exploitation movie, and that's the remake of Last House on the Left, which is, of course, you know, Wes Craven did Last House on the Left, which was his nod to Virgin Spring, a classic Ingmar Bergman movie that Wes Craven did not understand. So the people remaking Wes Craven's really gross uh, sort of retelling of Virgin Spring, they understood things even less. It was once removed. It was cleaned up. I think it was even PG-13. Nobody dies in it. Uh, the, only, you know, the girl who dies is the one who deserved it. Uh, and it's it's just a terrible example of a revenge exploitation movie. Uh, a great example of a revenge exploitation movie because there's really no point me bringing up something that's slightly better than something this forgettable. But one of my favorite recent examples of a movie that exploits revenge and dread uh, – and just makes you feel, you know, when Dingus talks about seeing this and feeling worse about himself, this movie made me feel very specific things. And I had a very visceral reaction to it, even though I think it's an uneven movie. I think it's a brilliant way to play on the viewer's expectations and fears and doubts and dread um, in the same way that these early exploitation movies in the 70s tried to do. And that's Tom Ford's Nocturnal Animals. Uh, as a revenge movie and as, as how that spins out and what uh, eventually happens in that. And you, you don't understand what Tom Ford is doing until you've gotten to the last scene. And I think there's a certain amount of brilliance to how he, he plays with the audience there in a way that these people doing this trash in the 70s wouldn't understand and wouldn't have the nuance for. So there are my overs and unders. So, so Dingus, why did you feel worse about yourself when this – this movie's just com- – it's dumb and inane and just has, yeah. no, has no weight to it, and I thought no force. Uh, I don't feel it made any real points. Why would it make you feel worse about don't yourself? Don't let a cereal box bum you out, dingus. <laughs> There's <laughs> so much point. else to actually bum you out. It's real. Because I, I think there are things in here – there are things in here that are there, – there are a few things in here that are smart and good that I was hoping that would develop into things that were better. Um I, I liked Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, I like. I, I love seeing him as, a, as not being a psycho or a slob or a loser. I was so glad to see him just playing a straight guy like that. I really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Right. And and I had the feeling early on, as as Chris Markinson says in his email, that it almost seemed like they were setting it up that he would be responsible, that he would be the bad guy. And Chris Chris and I were on the same page with that. I, I thought 
because there, there's the 2000 for me, it was the $2,000 thing. Uh, I need to borrow $2,000 for you and $2,000 came out of the safe. And, and then he, it, it just seemed like it, it looked like, because you, how, you know, like you just said, the psycho thing that Vincent D'Onofrio would be doing that thing. And he wasn't that he was this gentle brother who is looking to look after his brother. I mean, it was, I really liked that, but it's, it's in the service of a movie that is, well, it looks clean. I mean, it's competently directed as far as how it looks. It's crap. It's crap. And it made me feel like crap. I mean, it made me feel terrible because of partly because of what we're going through in this country and the, uh, in the debate about the second amendment. Um, and partly in the fact that Bruce Willis's character and his daughter's character just seemed to be like super shiny and happy after a certain point, and the mother is dead. And I was I was really happy to see Elizabeth Shue. I really want you to be right on this. You mean at the very end? No, just how quickly they get over it and they're smiling. And like these people should be completely traumatized. They to should have be someone that important taken out of their lives. And Eli Roth just has no idea how to make that happen. Uh, Wait, yeah, yeah. Uh, he does yeah. not have a clue. I think all it's of his emotions trauma. are adjacent to real emotions. I mean, they're they're kind of close in some ways, but they're perverse versions of real emotions. But that's not on purpose. I think that he just doesn't understand real human emotions. And he doesn't understand how to direct that. The and back in black montage totally does a yeah go with grief stricken tragedy. Back in black has nothing He's to like do with it. this movie. Um, My wife's dead. Yes. There's so much stupidity in it that I, uh, I mean, I just I, the gun in the ER the. That's My daughter's so in handcuffs. That's a super dumb scene. It made me just feel stupid. It made me feel stupid. Um, the the video quality in the iPhone stuff was dumb, and then this is another thing that Markson brings up. Like, you know, there's angles that somehow she can she can attain using her iPhone. That she they enhance have. it, Dingus. They can. The police have the, enhanced take, uh, technology. I wrote down that the bowling ball is stupid, but Chris Markson puts it better by saying that the it's an, an ex machina bowling ball. It just it made me feel like a dumber person after watching it. Uh, <laughs> You know what it is, Kelly? One, I think Dingus doesn't see enough bad movies. That's yeah, probably true. I I felt <laughs> it, it, there there were also like some like uh, other like personal issues. I didn't, you know, I couldn't bring my kid to this. Obviously, uh, I was missing him today, and and I and I'm sitting here in this theater. There's some guy coughing behind me. Uh, <laughs> it was just, it was just, uh, it was just a terrible experience. But there That's were a couple of little glimmers where you f- feel like, oh, maybe. Oh, maybe because the idea of, of switching him into a surgeon is a good idea. I think. Yeah, there's because, potential. It's because with all of the five movies, he's constantly doing surgery on himself. <laughs> he's constantly getting stabbed and shot and whatnot, and getting and and as an accountant, he's doing certain. You know, like why? He's an architect, he's, though. Is oh, ar- a, a, architect? You're right. He's yeah. constantly able to do surgery on himself, but it makes sense. That YouTube thing where, like, there's the breakdown of the gun. By the way, Kelly Wan, he wasn't shot in the hand. One of the cool things is that it's the, it's the slide coming back that cuts his hand. Uh. The, and 
And that's and not that a hurt. cool thing, by the way. That's that's another example of oh, Eli right. Roth being inane. Because, well, no, no. I mean, uh, because we have this whole idea with the training montage that he's teaching himself how to clean and use weapons. Right. And what this is supposed to reveal is, oh, the gun was fired by someone who doesn't know anything about weapons. When Eli Roth has just established that Bruce Willis is training himself to be a, 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 a firearms project. Yeah, it's so stupid that then, oh, now we're going to make the clue that the police have on this video that the guy doesn't know enough about a gun to know that the the as opposed to him getting shot or whatever. Well, that's not what happens though. I mean, what the cool thing is that he knows how to use a gun on a target range, and what uh, what the detective says is he's obviously never used a gun in anger. I mean, that's, that's, that's not what, no, no. He says this is a guy who's not experienced with firearms. I mean, he might no, have said he says that at one point. Not, he says but, not in anger. That's the line. Not in anger. He's not. He's not used a gun in that situation. Sounds like I just thought. In in a moment of you got to see it in English to get the nuance of this stuff. So he hasn't he hasn't used a gun even then. I mean, even if you're right, Dingus, that's still inane because the movie doesn't want to. The movie wants us to think, and it's part. I, I I blame partly Eli Roth, but Bruce Willis also deserves a lion's share of the blame for this. The movie yeah. wants us to think that this guy is super cool and ruthless and has no compunction about shooting a bad guy in the face and that he doesn't mind you know, basically using his medical knowledge to torture someone. Uh, he's, wow. not, he's not the John McClane everyman who's scared of getting shot. Never in this movie is he that guy. Never is right. he a guy who reacts the way that a normal person would react with a firearm yeah. in, a, in, a, in an exchange of gunfire. And, and that's uh, – I, I think that this movie's biggest affront is that it pretends to be about firearm culture and a mm. normal guy immersing himself in firearm culture right. and what that would be like. And it absolutely doesn't get a fundamental fact about firearms, and that is you can train yourself on a firing range all you want. You can be really good at aiming. But the problem is people have a biological reaction to danger, to being shot at, and it right. causes them to lose motor skills. It moves blood around in their bodies for priorities for doing different things, and pulling a gun out and firing the same way you would at a firing range isn't what happens to a human body when they're under fire. And so what, what you need to – you know, there's a reason that professionals – train with firearms and yeah. that is so that their muscle memory takes over when their biology is telling them to do something different and you can train all you want and it's a it's a muscle memory thing if you stop training you're going to lose that um so so this whole idea that he is inexperienced with firearms the the movie doesn't see that through his performance doesn't show that he's super cool um and i think it's just bruce willis wanting to be a badass uh that's the same thing that afflicted the Charles Bronson one too. Then yeah, sure. It's like it, it ruins its own theme. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a straw dogs thing at all. Right. It's exactly. It's a look how badass Bruce Willis and Charles Bronson are power fantasy kind of thing. Yeah. Right. But and Dingus, I'm sorry, I'm just running roughshod over you, but I, I no, really that, that's fine. I I really think here, let me let me put it uh, and I don't know the answer to this. Well, I, I I suspect, but let me ask you guys. So this movie presents this uh this suggestion. Uh, that the police can't protect you, so you have to protect yourself. You know, the police take whatever three minutes to get there, but uh, you know, you'll get shot in five seconds. The, the, the idea in the in the Death Wish movies is basically the police respond, and we we don't want to respond. Or well, what I'm asking in, in this uh. movie, how do you, does this movie have an opinion on that suggestion? 
that the police can't protect you, so you have to protect yourself. The movie? Yeah. No. Does this movie, does Eli Roth's remake have an opinion on? Because it suggests that. That's the premise. That it the floats it with, uh, with Lang Carew, with the, with the, you know, him against the poachers in that little short speech he does where right. he's, he's like a man has to protect, you know. I didn't hear the dialogue, so I can't actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kelly. So, yeah, when uh, when he's driving with his father-in-law from the funeral, that's basically what the father-in-law says when he has to run poachers off of his property, is the police can't protect you, so you have to protect yourself. And I think he, he equates it with being a man, or someone does at some point. As someone right. who didn't get the dialogue, it didn't seem like a thoughtfully constructed well, movie. Just well, previously, <laughs> well, previously, I mean, what it's set up is that one of the things that the police ask Bruce Willis in the in the interview with him is do you have any firearms in the house and he's like no i don't have any firearms in the house and they're like well you know a lot of times they come in and steal firearms and then he's out with his father-in-law take after taking her to her her grandma is what he says or her grandpa um is that this dude has guns and so bruce willis see sees that i mean he's been asked do you have firearms no i don't um and I wouldn't have that in my house. And then he sees his father-in-law do that and say, "If a, this is what a man does, a man protects him, protects what's his. That's what a man does." So uh, that's so not coming across in his that. body language in the movie. Like at the beginning, he's the same as he is at the end. Right, it's body language. He has one expression well throughout. There's a single expression he yeah. wears in the whole Smirk. movie. And it will. He breaks it a few times to smirk, but otherwise he's trying to, I think, look somber or I, I don't know what he's doing. I think he, he doesn't he's, cry over his wife. Yeah, he's not. But that so, Dingus, go ahead, because I, I am curious. Like, what? Because I don't. I don't. I, it, does this movie affirm or reject that idea? Do you think? Affirm or reject what idea? I'm sorry. The idea that if you, you the police can't protect you, so you have to take it upon yourself to protect yourself. You have to arm no. yourself. You have to no, be I ready. Think it's, is ahead. it a loaded case? I think it's just flaccid as far as that's concerned. I mean, I so think it doesn't even the, have an opinion. The, like it's not saying the, one way or the other. The early Death Wish movies do. I mean, they they hammer it. I mean, it's hammered. Right. The the first four movies are just hammering the the whole idea. I mean, there's even this sequence of of I think it's when they're when he's in L.A. where it's illegal to have a, a handgun. Um, and see, so these are interesting issues. There, they are interesting issues, um, and they're more interesting right now. I don't think that this movie falls under that purview because it was probably made before the what happened in Florida and what's going on right now with the students there. Um, but I don't think the movie really makes us any sort of stand on it whatsoever. It, uh, it, it kind of dances around it and then plays with it, and then it's fun. It plays it's with fun it at movie. the end to get him out of trouble. Um, you know, all the movies play with the whole idea. You know, the the early movies play with this idea of the police can't do anything, uh, but either politically they are going to let this go because they realize this is probably better for us, or uh, at the level of the detective in this movie, they're going to let it go because they realize this is probably the right thing. Uh, but th- I don't. Th- I don't think. It th- I don't think this movie has a stand on it. Do you, Tom? No, I, I don't think. Uh, it. I, I think it just wants to have its cake and eat it too. It wants to suggest yeah. something, and then it wants to have this idea that at the end Bruce Willis is, is done with all of this and he's protected his daughter. But if if the movie really wanted to suggest and to affirm this idea that the police can't protect you, so you have to protect yourself, 
Bruce Willis is still in danger every bit as much as he was at the end of the movie as he was when he was fighting these criminals. You know, there's other criminals out there that, that should be able to get him. And the movie doesn't even explore that. You know, it's only these specific criminals that he has to take care of. Uh, right. it, so the it's movie doesn't even see that through its own its own premise. It just forgets about. And even Dingus, you know, the the the, the death wishes in the 70s. Uh, were, of course, from a very different time in terms of how people thought about the police and about government and about authority. Uh, you know, I think the death wishes, this is like counterculture, uh, but right-wing counterculture in a way. Um, and I think Eli Roth is also, in this movie, reluctant to make the police look bad. He wants them to seem mm. sympathetic, yeah. to seem like they're really trying, like they feel bad about it. He wants them to acknowledge that uh, you know, a lot of this is asshole on asshole violence. They're gang slayings. What happened to your wife is very different. This is exceptional. Like he wants the police to not, because Death Wish is really about you can't. That undercuts his theme too. Yeah, I mean, I don't, and that's the thing is, that I don't even think he presents a theme to undercut. He's just throwing stuff at the screen at any given moment, and I don't think there's any consistency. There's no thought, but and there's no point that comes out if, of it. If he wants anything, he wants us to think Bruce Willis is cool. Charles yeah, Bronson. Yeah, yeah, and. Sorry, Charles Bronson. You know what I think it is, Kelly? One, I think it's partly just Eli Roth is such a weak director that yeah. when he's working with a celebrity like Bruce Willis, he just lets Bruce Willis do whatever the heck he wants to do. I don't think there was a shred of direction offered to Bruce Willis in this movie because I don't think Eli Roth has the balls to try that. I think you're right because in Unbreakable, Bruce Willis is way more nuanced than he is. Sure. In this. Well, twelve months you know, working with traumatized, yeah. working with Terry, Terry Gilliam is a madman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bruce Willis is capable of doing things, and he's capable, I think, he's as a strong vulnerable. director, of, of being given some sort of a shape and direction. Uh, and I can't imagine Eli Roth could do that. Eli Roth is such a little milk toast weasel. I cannot imagine him giving Bruce Willis a direction that Bruce Willis didn't already want to do anyway. He has John McClane's expressions in the movie. You know, he, well, you he say that, but I – go ahead. I don't, I don't think he has anything, and, and I think the movie – I think Tom is really on point here because I think he's just lazy because that hoodie thing. Oh, my God. Could there be could there be a choice more lazy than that than choosing the hoodie? Which he which he is already. It looks yeah, he's already used it. He's he's used it to really good effect in Unbreakable. And there's no way not to think about that. If you, if you like that, if you like that movie, as I really love that movie, um, there's no way not to think about that, but it doesn't work in this movie at all. And it certainly doesn't work in that stupid club scene in the, where, where he goes into the bathroom for the worst shootout I've ever seen. I think where he's, He's one white dude like slinking around in a hoodie, An and everybody else is dingus. yeah. Like he's he's got thirty years on everybody in there. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? What are you thinking? Why would you even do that? That is the laziest choice you could possibly make. Could you not think of another thing to do? Honestly, is he a I good mean, doctor? Because I couldn't tell from the. I think you're supposed to think he is. Sure, don't right, you? Right. Yeah, I'm just curious. He, he's like the guy who's in demand. When a gunshot wound comes in, they need him. That's why they have right. to take him out of the other surgery. Beginning, room. he seems to be telling people bad news. He's got a really big office. He can steal Doesn't drugs whenever he wants. He can, you know, he can take propofol or propofol or whatever that is, whenever he feels like it. Yeah, he's a great doctor. He can do whatever right. he wants. It's even it's the, too, it's the worst hospital in the world, but yeah. It's like that whole idea too of Charles Bronson already being cool when he has the confrontation with a soccer dad and he calls him pal. Uh -huh. 
Like yeah. he's being he's being badass right. Bruce Willis with this guy. He should yeah. be cowed by that guy. Why doesn't he, sh- he say the f word? Why does he just mouth it? Oh, because he's around kids. Because that's the whole thing is he's telling the guy not to drop it, not to, to watch his right. language around kids. Yeah. I always think of it as a rating thing. All right. All right. No, no, because this is an R-rated movie, clearly. Sir, this is know. Death Wish. Please don't swear. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Chris Markinson rightly says that this is really bad soccer in this movie. It's terrible soccer. <laughs> oh, I did not notice that because I don't have an eye for that. So the daughter's yeah. not good at soccer, huh? Hmm. No, it's just poorly filmed by somebody Hi, who Daddy. doesn't understand how to film soccer. It's just <laughs> crappy soccer. But and she's good at choking. Right. And as somebody whose kid plays really good soccer and who loves soccer, uh, I I didn't really pay attention to that because I was already bored a little bit. I was noticing and, stuff like him drinking three Coors Lights out by the pool. And I'm thinking, yeah, a guy of his income level, a doctor like that drinking Coors Light. I don't even know beer, but I know that guy probably does not drink Coors Light. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> well, all I'm thinking is, when is your next? Uh, when when is the next time you have to go into surgery, and when can you actually drink? And and how is that going to work out? I wish they would have paid attention well, to those things thing. instead of like like, okay, we're reading the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in some book uh, by Milton Friedman. Well, it's like you're saying, thing is it didn't touch at all on this idea of him grieving, and that's why I, I thought uh, it was really goofy that he's drinking three Coors Lights. Like the movie doesn't want us to think that he's sedating himself that, to deal with the grief, but it he, does want us to realize, you know, he's going to sit out by his pool and have three Coors Lights. He never kinda, pops pills, even though he doesn't he, pop pills. He doesn't like get drunk. He sustains yeah. gunshot wounds and stuff. Like he, that would be the perk of his position. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, the, that's not the script. Isn't at all interested in that. Uh, it, it really does just want this sanctified, clean, sympathetic character who uh, That's does too bad no because it's not like it, it's not a bad idea to have a surgeon suddenly start killing people. Like oh, no, that's it's a great idea, not, especially yeah, it's a great idea, especially after that little moral dilemma early on, where you establish, like any good surgeon would do, that he will save the shooter as much as he'll shave save the victim. You know, as a right. surgeon, yeah. he does not judge; he is impartial. He is there to preserve life. That is his job. So that's a great idea, Kelly Wan. Is after we show him in that situation, you know, manifesting that classic moral dilemma, to then have him turn into someone who kills people. I think. If it had been someone meeker, like the Welcome to the Dollhouse girl, <laughs> or Neil deGrasse Tyson, Neil deGrasse Tyson, or uh, the Cheap Thrills Tin Tin guy from Tin Tin Keepers, Paul Dano. No, no, Cheap <laughs> Pat Thrills. Healy though. I like your Pat Healy. Is uh, yeah, sure. Pat, Pat Healy. Healy Deathwish. Pat Healy Deathwish would be good. Sure. Yeah. Cheap Thrills is the rich man's version of this in a way. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, well, you've said worse things. <laughs> like the accountant. Never mind. Don't even Thing is, uh, how did so, you feel about the 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 uh, rape being taken out of it? All right, that's what that's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, because the the er, the first movies are all just rape, 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 rape. It's uh, it's constantly women getting their tops torn Stradox. off. It's just yeah. rape, rape from seventies. Was rape from soup to nuts, as they say. Um, so, uh, I, w- I don't know. I mean, I'm relieved, I guess, uh, cause I don't like rape being held over the female audience. It is in this, this movie is, though. It, it's not. Well, just it is. I mean, they, they, they molest for like you know, a minute and a half. Right, right. But it's brought up. It's not like it's, it's not like it's ignored. The potential. It's not ignored, but it's barely 
it, it's not it's just that that moment in, at the beginning where they're like okay uh, no fucking around i mean uh, no fucking i think it's no fucking games is that what he says well yeah uh, but then the other guy is, is starting in and he's, he's he's fondling her and and the, the right. you know two of the three uh, criminals are anti-rape one of them is pro-rape definitely right right there's, even there's the criminals look good. criminals but in all of the other movies it's constant rape I mean, it's it, rape is is done. Rape is constant threat. It's it's and it's also the impetus for all of his uh, for some of his revenge. It's not just killing, but it's also rape. Um, I I just don't I don't know, I just don't like it as a thing that's held over the audience. Uh, but mm-hmm. still, it feels like it feels unnatural. It's like part of the Death Witch brand. Well, it's not just that. It's that that's what criminals. That's one of the things that criminals do in that situation. And to make so, it, to, make, to make a surgeon turn to guns, I think you need a little rape. Well, no, I don't think <laughs> you need a little rape. I just don't. I just I think it. that in that situation, that's what happens. Wait, what do you mean? In what situation? Burglaries? That is not what happens. In what a burglary saying? with two hot women. That are in a house. No, no burglars. Dingus, <laughs> why are you what? saying that? <laughs> Uh, rape, that's not that's not okay i mean i don't think that's true it's, 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 it's burglars want to get stuff and get out and if there are oh, people right. there they all freak right, out right. and they run like rape tends to be something that people get, get done by oh, okay. people you know and rape's even more indiscriminate though like old people get raped like in, yeah i mean rape is it's not because it's you know, the whole hot women getting raped thing is not like that's just because there's hot women in movies about these things happening so the but, but i do i mean thing is because i i do i mean i i, I kind of feel this way I, I I have to tell you I prefer huh? it. I prefer sure, the sure, movie right. to be this way because it makes me feel better about yeah watching it because I can't yep. stand it. Yep. Um. And it, it, it even actually to be honest with you, um, there's this dude named what's his name Screlly who just got sentenced to prison. Yeah, right, for seven bro. years. And I've got a lot of liberal friends who are like, yeah, he's gonna get in a cell with Bubba, haha. Well, I Good. don't think. I don't think prison rape is jokes are funny either. I don't want <laughs> jokes about or or uh, rape used as a plot device. I don't like I've it. I've seen don't. funny rape jokes. In, in Dirty Work with Norm Macdonald, there's a scene where he just gets up and addresses the camera like he's annoyed at the other prisoners for raping him. And he's like, I'm going to tell the warden about this. I don't. I don't. Well, he's got a whole. He's, he's got a whole bit in his, for me. Yeah. In his like stand it. up about prison rape. Like and Norm so Macdonald. Sam has, I think is has a really funny pres, prison rape routine, right? Um, I think. Anyway, that that doesn't work for me. So, uh, so, so, on a personal standpoint, to answer your question, Tom, I'd prefer it to be this way. I don't know from an artistic standpoint if you'll never find I'm, it. If I'm correct, I'm just I'm just answering your question from a personal standpoint. I'd rather it be this way than the other way. Sure. Because watching the other Death Wish movies, it was it was really um torture right, for me right. to watch and the other death wish movies are not a good example of it either just like last house on the left is not a good example just like i spit on your grave is not right. a good example and there's a reason those are called exploitation movies and virgin uh, spring is not an exploitation movie and the rape is a fundamental part of virgin spring but ingmar bergman is not doing it as an exploitation movie so i kind of think the fact that this movie steers around rape and very specifically 
cuts it. And, and it's kind of interesting, too, that the one bad guy who's a raper who wants to do it, he's the guy who gets the torture done to him. He's the right. guy who gets the yeah. oil thrown in his face. It's only the guy who wants to rape who's really the worst guy who deserves Although Bruce would pain. know that. No, but the movie does. The movie wants us to – it basically is, is going to be harsh. It, it, it wants us – to, when we see Bruce Willis cutting open the guy's leg and pouring battery acid or whatever that was in there, it wants us to sympathize with it. Bruce Willis it, because this is the it. worst possible guy that that could happen to. And, the, oh, and, and, that that's, Sorry. and that's because he's the raper. Um, but oh. it, it is uh, – it, it's an example too of I think how Eli Roth doesn't even understand – the exploitation cinema that he is aping. No. You know, by taking out the stuff that makes it exploitation, by removing oh. it and making it palatable. I mean that that's the that's a fundamental yeah. part of Death Wish. You is, can take your family to this rape movie. Is, is, yeah. yeah, well that's it's not it's not even in there. And like the and, and, but, but here's the thing. He doesn't even he is so he's so stupid that he's going to still suggest it and he still wants to use the fact that we react viscerally as an audience member to a raper in a way that we don't to a murderer or a burglar. He still mm. wants to use that, but he is so soft. He's such with, and I knew with he such, would be. I was he is with such kid gloves. And the same thing happens in Green Inferno, which is supposed to be a movie about uh, international relief workers captured by cannibals. And it's supposed to be really violent and gross and gory and just like those exploitation movies. And it's not. Nobody gets – one guy gets his leg cut off and eaten. Yeah. There's none of this like gross exploitation stuff that characterized those movies. I don't even think Eli Roth understands the movies that he's pretending to remake. Um, so well, okay. I, it's pop. All right. Yeah. But OK. Then can we talk about Knock Knock then? Yeah, sure. Because I, I – I, Knock Knock. So you haven't seen it, Kelly? No. Ah, because I like Knock Knock a lot. Go ahead, Dingus. Uh, I I like it quite a bit. Um, it feels like a female, uh, the female version of Funny Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're saying about him not understanding the kind of movie he's making with regard to rape doesn't work as far as that movie is concerned because what they're doing is that. Uh, not not well. Right. Go ahead. So. Um, so he does, he does it there. It seems okay going the other way, but, but for, for this particular movie, it doesn't seem okay. And in fact, he even does this coy, weird cutaway to the outside of the house where we don't get to see, uh, Elizabeth Shue shot yeah, or the we daughter. Don't even see, yeah. Exactly. We don't even I see know. the shots. Right. Soft, right. For soft. whatever. Why, well, why are they doing that? I mean, we get to see the guy smacked. And the the and uh, are you gonna kill? You're not gonna kill me. No, Jack is. I mean, that's one of the dumbest lines. I would like to punch <laughs> Eli Roth just for that. I'd like to put him under that car. Um, uh, I like no, that. Jack one. is. Ugh, fuck you, Eli Roth. Uh, so, <laughs> wait, so, that's okay. Yeah, he, yeah. He said the the guy under the car says you're not gonna kill me, and Bruce Willis says no, Jack is. And oh, Jack. Okay, I thought you were talking. Oh, that's right, Kelly Wand. You didn't get to see. You you didn't get to hear that because that was in German. Yeah. Oh, so East. <laughs> <laughs> so so he does understand, and he's just not doing it here. And do you think that's because of Bruce Willis or what? I'm not sure how to reconcile those things because I think Knock Knock is really has really a lot of smart 
ideas in it. It has a really good energy to it. Um, uh, the actors are are really powerful. Uh, Keanu Reeves is willing to do a whole bunch of weird stuff in it. Um, and none of that is on show here. So what's the yep. difference? I mean, Keanu All Reeves right. produced Knock Knock. Uh, and is Keanu Reeves just more willing to go um, – is Keanu Reeves just smarter than Bruce Willis? I mean, what's going on? Well, A, yes, of course. I mean, I think Keanu Reeves is a better, a more versatile actor, and he's willing to do stuff. That, like Keanu Reeves being the, the asshole hotel manager in Neon Demon, Bruce ah, Willis would never point. do something like that. Bruce Willis is doing just not, not even straight to video because that's not a thing anymore, like straight to streaming crappy action movies now where he either plays a badass or a hero. Uh, Bruce Willis will not – do some. He, he will not take the chances that Keanu Reeves is willing to take as an actor and as a celebrity. Um, knock Knock is, and, and also what's going on with Knock Knock Ding is that I feel is an important difference is it is not appealing to or trying to remake exploitation cinema. Green Inferno is uh, a riff on, in, in a, I guess, an attempt to update these Italian cannibal movies. Death Wish is an attempt to, to update these rape exploitation power fantasy movies from the 70s. Knock Knock is none of those things. Knock Knock is a really smart inversion of a formula with some really capable good actors. I find uh, his wife, uh, Lorenzo Izzy, I think is her name, I find her super annoying most of the time, and it works 110% in Knock Knock. Mm-hmm. She is so annoying in that perfectly. And mm-hmm. Anna de Aramis, before I even knew who she was, was just like this little siren in that. She's great in that. And mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves is willing to go along with the concept. Now, if you look at Eli Roth's career, you know, he does these hostile things and he gets some notoriety and then he starts making more commercial projects. Uh, Green Inferno and Knock Knock were shot in Chile. Uh, and I think there was some Chilean money. There's, there's a, It's not quite as... Uh, robust as as Mexico, uh, but in in terms of South American filmmaking, uh, Chile has some some talent down there, uh, and Eli Roth has managed to to find a couple of good writers who he works with from time to time. And both of those productions were shot entirely in I think Santiago probably or Green Inferno in the the uh, jungle around there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at who's working on these scripts. Uh, the most names are on the knock-knock script. Eli Roth gets, I think, a screenplay credit with two other people and his two Chilean uh, collaborators, who he worked with also on Green Inferno, but he mainly gets the script credit for that. They're the ones with the story credit. Uh, so Eli Roth isn't credited with story, which is kind of the, the format, the fundamental for what's going on here. He is given a screenplay credit. Uh, so I, I think what happens is that there are two very smart guys who are filmmakers in Chile who had this idea and who worked with Eli Roth for a script, and Eli Roth got some capable God, actors to help him execute it. Uh, and because it's not trying to Im- – it's not him trying to imitate these exploitation movies. It's something different. Uh, I think it's super successful. Um, uh, in defense of Bruce Willis, though, he uh-huh. used to be a more adventurer – actor like sure. Death Becomes Her was an interesting role for Bruce Willis and Breakfast of Champions sure. and Charlie's Angels and Beavis and Butthead like he used <laughs> well, to goof around more. Well he's great in 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. One of yeah, my favorite uh, performances and he's also really good in Moonrise Kingdom but right. I think 
Thomas right. right. He's he's kind of getting lazy, at least if he's doing this. And that's why why I'm curious because I I the more and maybe this is because uh, you know we just. Uh, we just saw a Francis Lawrence movie, uh, Francis Lawrence movie, and I watched uh, Constantine for the umpteenth time, and I'm just so knocked out by him in that. He, it's hard. It's, it's, it's kind of a precious movie to watch because he's working again, working with actors who are really far above his pay grade, but he's trying his heart out, uh, and he does that in John Wick as well. But, um, but. Uh, he he seems to just be willing to try stuff that makes him look bad. He doesn't seem to care about that, and I, and I like that about Knock Knock. I like that he doesn't mind like screaming at these two girls, and while they just giggle at him, he doesn't mind looking bad, and that's that's a really great great quality for an actor to have, not minding looking bad, and not a lot of uh, stars have that quality. It kind of helps, I think, if you have Keanu Reeves' genes and looks, though. I mean, it's yeah. absurd how that guy weathers. He still looks like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, kind of. That is true. And in all through <laughs> Knock Knock, they're constantly talking about, like, in the in the beginning part, like, oh, you're so hot. And yeah. Kevin's 43. And, oh, man, you must work out all the time. And he's, <laughs> and he's kind of, like, moving away from them because they're touching him. And he's, he's trying so hard not to not to be a part of what they're trying to do. He's trying so hard but they're constantly saying oh god you're so hot dude and you do have to admit you know he's a really freaking hot dude uh but he's willing to look and be vulnerable and and look like the bad guy at times and i don't think that bruce willis is willing to do that he doesn't look like the bad guy in this movie at any point in death wish he just doesn't and charles bronson doesn't either but Charles Bronson. Uh, he's, I like Charles he's Bronson. not the actor that, that either of those guys are, I don't think. No, Death Hunt with Lee Marvin. Watch that one. And The Mechanic. Oh, that one's good, too. I like well, a lot mechanic, of time. I've I'm seen like, I'm all like of those. Yeah. Bruce, uh, Great, Escape. Bronson, Great Escape. Great Escape, he's fine. He does and, and What's Fun Time in the West? He's fucking amazing. He doesn't do anything, though. He just yeah, does he, what, one... What's Fun Time in the West? Harmonica? Are you crazy? He, he doesn't do stuff. anything. He just, he's, he's oh, got a I can't believe it. I'm here. What? No, he's not. I'm with, I'm with Dingus on this. I think what the prerequisite to enjoying Charles Bronson is already being into Charles Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of his and better. He just movies. comes across. I mean, there's some people that the camera loves and some people the camera doesn't. And camera loves Charles Bronson and he doesn't have to do a thing. He could just be sitting there eating cornflakes and we'd be like, all right, that's Charles Bronson. He's bad. He's look, bad. I don't even get that ding. It's like I look at him like, oh, that's some old actor dude from the 70s. What do I care? I, Great Escape, I, I, just, I can't abide that movie because I feel the same way too. This is hey. weird. About Steve McQueen. Why do uh. people like him? It's no, because I they already liked it. him and they like seeing him in movies. And I never got whatever it took to think. Hey, you don't like Great Escape? Yeah, nope. Steve McQueen is like a boring Paul Newman. See? See? Kelly Wand, I, I'm the <laughs> same way. It's good. I don't know. I really go by the movies individually. Because there's there's some Charles Bronson ones that do suck, and Death Wish to me is not one of the better Charles Bronsons. It's actually one of my least favorites. So real quick, Kelly, what does someone have to see to to think, oh yeah, Charles Bronson is is cool? I would have said Once Upon a Time in the West. I'm a little so- shocked that I'm in a minority of one. You might of them. be right. I don't I don't know that movie well enough, so I might. Okay, and what what would make me like Steve McQueen? Because Towering Inferno didn't do it. Uh, Cincinnati Kid is one of my favorites. Steve McQueen. Think of that, Dingus. Do you know what that is? It's a poker uh, movie. I think it's a Harrison Center. Ford movie, isn't it? <laughs> Wait, what's that one called? Oh, oh, what's the pool movie? The Hustler, I bet I would like Paul Newman in that. 
Oh, Paul Newman's great in The Hustler. Yeah. Oh no, no, but I Right, right. Paul Newman I have no problem with. I just conflated I just thought Steve McQueen was yeah. Paul Newman. See, that's the thing. Steve McQueen, he just doesn't register for me. Well Cincinnati Kid's kinda like the Hustler, so you're not that stupid. All right. What's the Cincinnati movie? Isn't Her- isn't Harrison Ford in one of those movies? Cincinnati Kid or something? He's in the Gene Wilder one. I know which one you're talking about. Where it's there, he's Jewish or something. I don't know. He's some it's some Western. I don't know. Right. Yeah, Steve McQueen is is fine. He's a good looking dude. Cisco kid, isn't that it? Cisco kid. I don't know. But yeah, it, it, I would Steve put Steve Coast. McQueen and Charles Bronson in that sort same sort of like. Uh, I don't know. I even like Charles Bronson more than Steve McQueen, which is very rare. Most people would put Steve McQueen way over Charles mm-hmm. Bronson. But Charles Bronson, watch Death Hunt. Give give Death Hunt a whirl. I'll try that a movie called. Don't even tell me what it's about because a movie that's called Death Hunt sounds like something yeah. I might want to watch. Okay. Let me let, let me think. I'm going to make four Death Wish movies or five Death Wish movies. I, I think I'll make a Death Hunt movie too. <laughs> that might come first, maybe. <laughs> Seems like a great idea. Ah, uh, spoiler alert: Canada. Ready? What? If he plays a Mountie, I'm in. Oh, he's not the Mountie. Uh-huh. Oh, speaking of Harrison Ford, by the way, Markinson also says, and I love this comment so much. It's it's in his email. He sent two emails. It, this is his one last comment email. He said, I just thought of this today. Compare Willis's reaction to his daughter in the hospital with Harrison Ford's reaction in Patriot Games. That's how you do it. And I love, <laughs> freaking love that comment. I freaking love it. Chris Markson and Dingus are both in the Harrison Ford fan club. They're both the Frisco kid. Oh, Frisco. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Um, Let me see what else. Uh, Just uh, real quick, let me just run through. I I feel awful that we made Markson see the Death Wish remake. I hate to think anybody saw this because we were doing a podcast. Oh, Markson does it because he's a trooper. Uh, having watched The Wire, I suspect that drug dealers don't keep all their product in plain view in a container on their front lawn with no security. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Which I loved. Oh, and also he says, I hope McCaddy. This is Stephen McCaddy. Oh, my gosh. I felt so bad in, in one scene. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Who's uh, – I, I just – I love that dude so much. His because... face is amazing. That guy's face rocks. Yeah. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Because he's he has a cheerful mental hold on him, um, so he says. I I I, I hope Stephen. I hope a caddy only had to be on set for one day to collect his paycheck. Um, <laughs> Tate Carp, one of the bad guys. Isn't he? No kidding, Tate Carp, and his 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 pseudonym is the Fish. The fish. Tate Carp. <laughs> Why? That's up, that's up there with Jeep Hansen. Kelly Wan, did you not get that in German? That one of the bad guys is named Tate. Carp, no. and his and his nickname is the fish. That yeah, was why I said I was, I was Christian Dolphin. In I'm German, Dolphin. it sounds so different. I couldn't understand. <laughs> uh, I also I cannot abide. Uh, we're gonna need a bigger board. It's uh, not I did really hear. You. Oh, I yeah. was hoping you hadn't seen. You're it. gonna need a bigger board, you people. Or if you're gonna quote Jaws, you dill holes, do it right. That's not what they say. It's not. Seven, we're gonna need a bigger board. Oh, so annoying. Well, you can't reference a better – I keep trying to tell people I, – I go to this writing group, and, and I keep trying to tell people you can't put a quote from Dostoevsky at the beginning of your first chapter. You can't do that because all I'm going to be thinking of is how much better the other writer is. Stop doing that. Don't do that. 
Don't put a better thing up yeah, there in your crappy movie. Don't you do, do have that. to outdo. If you're going to quote something, you're right. If you're going to go, hey, I'm going to show you something longer. This is the only part we're taking away from this. <laughs> Maybe Every, that's why they misquoted so, it, so, so they could, uh, so they have plausible deniability to that they weren't invoking Jaws at that point. <laughs> yeah, so, the, at the you can say is you're you're going. Oh, look, part of my book's good. It's got this quote at the beginning. That's the best thing you could say about what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Kelly, we also had uh, Tony Carnavale write in. Oh my God, he did not see Death Wish. He didn't. There's no way that guy watched Death Wish. I don't is he think claiming he did. he did. No, I think he's making fun of us for saying it. Okay. Uh, but what he says is, few things I might have done today would have felt as subversively thrilling as seeing Death Wish with its vastly divergent ratings from critics and the public on Rotten Tomatoes: seventy percent for positive and eighty-four percent for positive, respectively. That's the critics and public. 70. Uh, uh, 17 and oh, 74. Uh, unfortunately, the critics I mean, were right. Well, that's why it got a B plus on CinemaScore. Is anybody – if you, nobebody who's who has any critical faculties who's thinking about things is going to think that this is a good movie. Any no. idiot who goes in and just wants to see Bruce Willis be cool is going to come away and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to tear through the letter A. Well, I'm going to have CinemaScore. I'm going to go to Rotten Tomatoes and click on 90% because – you know, 70, I don't like it. 80, it's okay. 90, I liked it. I liked his surgery scenes. I mean, it's a rabble right. It's, it's a sort of populism that got Trump elected, I guess. Uh, yeah, he's just like us, a brain surgeon who we can afford lots of assault with. <laughs> but actually, you know, it's not even, though, because like I, like I was saying, I don't think it even has – it's even consistent about this idea of – the police can't protect you, so you got to do it yourself. Like yeah, this idea that it could be a- adopted by right wing, like Dana Lash. What does she think of this movie? This doesn't do anything for it. It's not a pro NRA thing. It doesn't have the, the nope. balls to even be that. I think we live in a world where the real life is so much dumber than even like the dumbest <laughs> movies being made. Like we just look at Thor and go, yeah, we wish that would happen. No, it, it, it makes fun of uh, of getting a gun while allowing him to get a gun. That was a little Paul Verhoeven, like, see, I'm, make, I'm tweaking it. Yeah, I bet you're right, Kelly Wan, is he thought he was being kind of like I'm clever. satire. I'm doing satire yeah. with the Jolly Roger and Bethany selling guns. Yeah. I'm, I'm this so is my starship. God. <laughs> Jolly Roger. I didn't hear what the DJs were saying. Oh, it was really weird. So I don't know any – I guess there's like these were like actual people from Chicago Drive Time Radio or something. But they were just debating like gun control and vigilanteism uh-huh. and just super facile drive time morning radio junk. And I'm assuming those were real people from Chicago Radio. Yeah, man, man, man Cow's an actual dude. Oh, Man Cow that. was in Death Wish? Yeah. Wow. All right. He actually goes by Man Cow? Yeah, yeah that's his DJ name. Yeah. All right. Well, so, by the way, in uh, Knock Knock, uh, Keanu Reeves plays a DJ, but he's not really a DJ. Well, Play yeah. Steve for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the the uh, the black dude, and you know that that's more interesting. That stuff, that that serious radio stuff, is a little bit more interesting because he's questioning: Is this a good idea? And then we have like the one the one guy who is trying to um, you know be the copycat. Who gets killed? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> just terrible. That was so obvious. And yeah. Oh my God. So uh, Tony uh, Carnavale then goes on to say, although you'd never know have known it from the enthusiastic audience. So I guess he did see this. Yeah, he did. Yeah. You'd never known it from the enthusiastic audience, which phone. it bears mentioning was mostly non-white. 
in spite of the racial hand-wringing of critics as well as the film itself. I don't I don't I can't imagine there being racial hand wringing because the bad guys are, are with the exception of the one Hispanic valet, they're white dudes. Like why would there be racial because that's that's another thing by the way where it's super cowardly. Like it doesn't it's really funny yeah. seeing this in movies. They're reluctant to put uh, minorities as villains. You know, they'll have the Russians instead of Arabs. Uh, like I, I thought this movie was very careful about making it clear that these are just white dudes. I get that. Well, as it was notes. a white guy. Well, even the the uh, the you know, the sidekick for the radio host, um, the the black woman says, you know, it's a white guy saving a black woman. What's not to like to- about that? They don't even want like dumb uh, black characters. I've been getting – I got notes back on stuff. <laughs> this guy's a buffoon. We want our, our black character to be a buffoon? I go, well, this other one is too. You know, that's, okay. By the way, that's another thing I really liked about Knock Knock. I loved the black character in that and specifically his reaction to uh, yeah. the two women. That was a really cool subversive bit, and I liked that guy a lot. And I liked the little line about – you know, I'm from Oakland, bitches. Like that. That's yeah. Was, you're barking was, up the wrong tree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that. that stuff was great. I loved that. Because I thought uh, the implication was that he was gay as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. I really, really liked that. Kelly, one, you much. should see Knock Knock. I mean, I, I'm gonna. I, like I said, who, I loathe Eli Roth. I think the guy is horrible, but I really like Knock Knock. Uh, so yeah, I think you, it'll work for you, Kelly. He said. Cheap Thrills is great, and I go Keckner's in it. Your least favorite, you're like right. Great. That's that's the thing is when yeah when people who I don't like when I like them or like what they're doing I uh I, you know that counts for something yeah. Knock knock <laughs> is the name as I said of the Expendables is uh, battering ram. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I'm sure that that inspired <laughs> Eli Roth. Yeah. All right, that. so we saw Death Wish. How about yeah. that? That's, that's one for the books. Uh, that's a book. Let's okay, now do. We, we might be watching something even worse than Death Wish. For all we know, we don't know. Oh, we wow. don't know what's about to happen here. You guys have been awesome. You donated to this podcast eighteen hundred and three dollars, and we are just uh, so grateful. You guys are all awesome. Uh, we started this thing out just because we wanted to hang out with each other. Uh, and just over the years, it's been something that we're super happy to bring you guys. We love how supportive you are. We never thought it would be like this. And just, again, you constantly surprise us. So we have a bunch of votes for different movies. Uh, and we are now going to randomly roll a number between one. We And by the way, last year we screwed up the math. So this year we very carefully like audited each other and went through the votes. Like all of this has been vetted by all three of us. And in the course of it, I was least dumb. No, no. I was going to say, Kelly, one in the course of it, we all three did really stupid things. Now, yeah, although I do, uh, uh, Kelly Wand was the least mathematically stupid on this. I will give yeah, you that. Kelly Wand, really, yeah, he. Yeah. Dingus, and I'm terrible at math. I love how bullheaded Dingus was about bad math when we first started it. Like there, we <laughs> had to educate ourselves quite a bit, but it worked out in the end. We all checked. Do have? <laughs> it really well, did. Was, no kidding. We were literally was, talking about counting things reason, on our though, fingers. Uh, but I wanted, I wanted, I just wanted everybody to get. Their money's worth. That's no, no, what I was no, doing. no, absolutely, Dingus. Your instinct was right, but it's the same thing that when you don't believe me when I say the Earth has multiple, as infinite <laughs> circumferences. You just have to learn to trust me on math and science, Dingus. I wish yeah. you would believe me when I say the Earth is flat. I don't understand <laughs> why you won't. Parts of it are flat. <laughs> 
All right, so uh, let's see. Who should we have actually rolled? I've got randomresult.com up here. Actually, here's what we're going to do. You should do it. Random result has a thing where you can tell it, hey, give me a ticket. So I'm going to send Kelly Wand a link, and he's just going to click on it, and it will roll the number for him. So let me go in here. Can we just roll a 20-sided die and be done with it? Oh, listen to Dingus pretending to be a nerd. Like yeah, he knows what a 20 sided die is. Yeah, he heard Vin Diesel mention it once. <laughs> Human. All right. Always. Oh, shoot. I don't think I can send the ticket until I actually roll the number. Oh, you know what? Okay, here. I'm throwing my notes across the room. There. I don't have in front of me the numbers. La La Land. <laughs> hey, no one voted for that. What the heck? Yeah. All right. Kelly Wand and Dingus, I want you both. Uh-oh. To look at your list. All the number, and we'll average it out. I have here, pick one number between 1 and 800, what, 1,803. Okay. Uh, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah, wait. That what? feels like I'm just picking what the number is. Wait, what? What? Why am I picking a number? Just roll them. No, no, I am. <laughs> I am. I'm going to between 0 and 1,803, and then we, if it comes up 0, we get to pick. We all lose. Uh, I'm at a website that I use for my Patreon drawings and for my uh, streaming, my, my streaming requests. So this no, is use, random. No. Let's use Honey. Let's use this the is dog. randomresult.com. You guys tell me. You, are you guys both looking at the, the list now? You ready? Yep. Uh-huh. It's going to be a race. Whoever gets there first wins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm clicking draw now, and the number is. Are you ready? Uh huh. 1,652. 1,652. Go. It is 12 monkeys. Dingus, you concur. It is 12 monkeys. And who oh requested it? Oh my God. I think that was Markinson. Bruce Willis. <laughs> Chris Markinson's request for 12 monkeys. Let me let me just verify also. We need to make sure that this is. That's weird. I just watched it. Well, there's a number 1652. At least it's easy to find. 12 monkeys. Yep, absolutely. Although I wrote it singular, 12 monkey. So I can't believe Chris got it. Chris Markinson, congratulations. We just saw a crappy Bruce Willis movie, and now we're going to watch <laughs> 12 monkeys. And we're going to be watching it thinking, oh, yeah, he was in Death Wish, the remake by Eli Roth. <laughs> this is actually pretty wonderful, although uh, I would prefer uh, well, his choice for uh, The Hunt for October. You say it's pretty – I mean considering the things that have been chosen, we've had the, the Goonies. Weird. We've had a couple of weird anime things. Why didn't I get married very, What won the very first one? Why didn't I get married too? Or oh, why yeah, yeah, exactly. This is by far the best uh, movie that's won. This is far and away our, the uh, best winner quality-wise. Yeah. It's the only good movie on this year's list that I know of. Except Wait, for big, no, are you kidding? Hunter uh, October yeah, is here, awesome. Get it. Right. You're you know, about, we had lots of great – we had really obscure things. A lot of people were trolling us with uh, with anime. Should we go through and read some of these, I guess? Yeah, let's do that. You know, I'm just going to go down the list for you guys. Do here it. are the things that we could have done. Uh, and let's take turns. So I'll, I'll run through some of them, and Dingus, you run through some. We had yeah. five votes for a, a movie called Absolute Giganton, which is the first movie by uh, by the guy who did Victoria. Uh, ten votes for the Niall Hilton incident. Fifty votes for Once Upon a Time in the West. Forty votes, and there's more down the line for this movie, for Big Trouble in Little China. One hundred votes for Midnight Madness. Twenty votes for Used Cars. Fifteen votes for Steven Soderbergh's Kafka. 20 votes for something called The Beat That My Heart Skipped from a friend of mine here in L.A. 
two votes, only two. This is very sad for Francis Ha. <laughs> Dingus, run down the list. What are some more? All right, we've got Tony Erdman. I, I don't know. I don't think I put uh, 30 votes. 30 votes for Tony Erdman. Um, Let it ride. Whatever that is, 10 votes. Uh, the curse of the man who sees UFOs. That can't be a real thing, but it got five votes. Siam from Richard Siam. 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 Well, I mean, I do know how to pronounce uh, it. We have Kicking and Screaming, which I, I thought was the Will uh, Ferrell soccer movie, but apparently wasn't. The 15 Obama votes for that. Yep. Uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. We had a bunch of votes for that from Andrew Chang. Uh, 16, John died. by the way, I think you guys should see that. Oh, okay. You told. I think you said that Kelly should see it, and I shouldn't. Mm, okay, yeah. by you guys, I meant Kelly. Yeah, ding, it's not for okay. you. Yeah, Kelly is a bunch of guys. Uh, John dies at the end. That's something I think you wanted to see. I've already seen it. Uh, it's not for Dingus, and Kelly should see it just because I enjoy when he suffers with me. Well, I will see it because Josh Lubliner is somebody. I, I, he's a, he's a really he's he writes it. I like this dude. The problem no, with it, John dies at the end is the lead. This guy named Chase Williamson is such a dud. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about you know what? He's the Anselm Elgort of his generation. Uh, <laughs> there's a Death Wish character. Would you like it if uh, Anton Elgort uh, walked into your movie and interrupted it and gave you a snack? Depending on the movie. If and it was the Death Wish, I totally For me, it would be depend on the snack. If it was like uh, Whoppers, I'd be in. But there's always that flat tire one. That's a anyway. good point. Uh, Indiana Jones and the, Chris- and the Kingdom of the Kristen's- Crystal. And Kristen Skull. <laughs> the Kingdom of Kristen the Crystal Skull. skull. Uh, was voted for. I don't know 20 how many. Votes. 20 votes. 20 votes. Uh, we have the last detail. Great I didn't Nicholson. even pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Melancholia from Dave Perkins, which I know is uh. one of his favorite. He's, he has five favorite M movies. And he, he and legitimately Mel- likes it, or he likes it like ironically. No, no, he loves it. He has five. He has an actual list of five favorite M movies, and Melancholia is one of them. Guess what? Oh, another favorite. one is Kelly. The Wailing? It's a, no, it's a, it's a M movie that I saw that I shouldn't have seen, but I liked. Oh, Midnight uh, Run. Martyrs. Midnight Run. Nope, Midnight that Run. It would be Martyrs. Actually. It's Midnight Run. Absolutely. I got it. It's Midnight Run. Uh, Kelly, read uh, us some more of these. What, what comes next? Uh, what, After Melancholia? Yeah, After Melancholia, yeah. Uh, the boats. Wailing. The Wailing, but not uh, Sea Eight Mammals. Uh, Millennium <laughs> Actress. Say how many Dope. votes though, too, because there were twenty votes for the Wailing. Oh God, I didn't write the. I just wrote the numbers. Oh, okay. yeah, I didn't write the the number of votes on some of these. Sorry. So you say it, and I'll say the number of votes. We'll do it. Uh, Millennium Actress. Ten votes. Uh, Doberman. Ten votes. Armageddon. Yes, forty votes. <laughs> Girls Trip. Twenty votes. Better Luck Tomorrow. Twenty votes. Heat. Four votes. Berserk. Which is an anime series. Marius, I don't know what we were going to do. We were talking about this. You requested a couple of anime series. I'd love to make Kelly Wan watch all of them, but I think we decided, well, we'll watch like the first like two hours worth of episodes. I feel like so, I should watch all of them. Berserk, I, I actually know about, from a, I know about Berserk from a video game. Uh, yeah. it's, really, it's really weird. Yeah, because two different controllers. Moving. It's like saying. Robotron. It's like no, no yeah, it not is. that berserk. Oh, Kelly oh. Wand. It's a whole different thing. 
It's oh. got really ding. It's not for dingus. I'll tell you that much. Hmm. Few things are. Yeah. All right. What yeah, else, Kelly Wand? Black Lagoon. Two votes. Without, also anime. Without the creature, just the lagoon. <laughs> uh, things to do boring. in Denver when you're dead. One vote. <laughs> yeah. Goes to the shell. Colon standalone <laughs> complex. Marius. One vote. <laughs> My, the good way uh, to get a bunch of podcast time is to do a bunch of one votes. My uh, ex mother in law texted me last night to say that she was talking with uh, her brother, and he says that he thinks that the creature from the Black Lagoon is the prequel to, to Shape, um, of Shape of Life. I think yeah, Guillermo del Toro thinks that as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, like vision. Like King Kong used to. Uh, the woman used to not like the monster, and now they like King Kong. And no, she sucks. like Fay Ray likes King Kong. No, she doesn't. She hates yeah, him. She feels sorry for him. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you're right. Naomi you're Watts right. was like, uh, Naomi Watts was kind of bummed when Adrian Brody showed up. Like How that. did Jessica Lange feel? She hated him, but All she was right. kind of she was kind of stoned a lot, so she would fall in and stuff. All right. She kind of liked him. She had issues. Right. She was uh, too far gone. To but yeah, monsters are just misunderstood. He yeah. could have done. I don't know. He was that was just lust with Jessica Lange. I think. Right. His, uh, Battle of Algiers. One vote. One, mm-hmm. Commando on the front line. A documentary. <laughs> yeah, one vote. Ghost of the Shell original. One vote. Das Boot uncut. One vote. Not waving, but drowning. Our friend uh, Chris Webb, who runs the Kelly Wan fan club, uh, 14 votes for whatever that is. Crispy. Not waving, but drowning. Zapped. One vote. Chris Webb Man. thought he'd toss $1 to Zapped. <laughs> uh, we love this next one. Zulu. <laughs> our, our friend Aaron. And we also had – Aaron, you'll be glad to know there was someone else uh, – you'll hear this down the line – who also voted for Zulu. And in his message, he said it was his favorite movie. So there, we have some Zulu fans out there. And uh, Aaron, 100 votes. My favorite movie is Zulu. That's what he says to people. He regrets nothing. Mustang. 21 votes. Uh, and I forgot what Jeremy said about that. He said it's Turkish. Turkish, right, right, Turkish, yeah. <laughs> That's what he said about it. Dean Spanley. <laughs> one vote. I love I'm this very, next one, Kelly Wand. I'm I know really, you do too. John Carpenter's the thing. 60 votes from our friend Alexander. That's awesome. I'd have no idea how to synopsize that, as we've proven. Uh, <laughs> Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. 25 votes. I like that movie. <laughs> Stoker. From the same guy who voted for Sky Captain, another 25 votes, our friend Nick. Simon Trout. I mean, Mrs. Carey's concert. Now, is that a movie, or, was, or are we going to have to watch like a live Mariah Carey concert? I, I actually don't know the answer to that. Ten votes. Or Sissy Spacek, and she blows up heads at an opera house. Oh, gotcha. oh I like that. I like that. Uh, Boone Raccoon. Carey's last name? Oh, Carey. I was going to say Carey's last name is Carey, and then I got the joke as I was saying that. Jaws is Jaws's first name. That is not his name. Oh, shut up. It's like Cher. It is not his name. The shark doesn't have a name. You don't name Bruce. sharks. That's so no. <sighs> his Boone name Rock. is Jaws. I mean, you don't name sharks. Has said his name is yeah. Jaws. Because of his weird teeth. <laughs> and also, Harrison Ford has said Deckard's not a replicant. Never trust actors. They don't know. They're just given lines. They show up. They say the lines. They're dumb. NTA. 
And uh, in Annihilation, the shark says its name is Jaws. <laughs> All <laughs> right, that I would release. <laughs> uh, Boon Raku. Uh, whatever that is, 15 votes. Just heard. Uh, Black Hole. Black Hole, Disney's Black Hole, the first PG-13, or the first Disney PG movie. Not PG-13. Yeah. Uh, ten votes? Yeah, ten votes. It's pretty soft PG, I should say. Well, come on. Maximilian like, sh- puts blender blades into a dude's stomach. That's yeah, I watched it. His way of trying to get out of it is to hold up a briefcase. Like, right. Oh. <laughs> a bunch that's of like paper. What, yeah, that's like what Brad Pitt did in the plane in uh, World War Z. <laughs> Stuck this luggage. Zombies have no answer to that. And then they hear him stacking the luggage and attack. So he actually fucks everybody. But anyway. And the plane goes down. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Tim and Lindelof. He's the only survivor. Great third act there, Lindelof. Nice work. People always survive plane crashes in movies. Fifteen votes for something called detention. Detention. Five, five votes for Mulholland Drive. And here we have another 15 votes from uh, our listener Jeffrey for Zulu, who says it's his favorite movie. Uh, Ten votes for Saving Silverman. Fifty for the uh, Tom Skerritt – not Tom Skerritt. Uh, Selleck. Tom Selleck. I don't know. I don't know this Magnum private investigator show. Gene Simmons. Uh, Fifty votes for Runaway with Tom. Uh, uh, it would be better with Tom Skerritt. No. Saying. Thirty votes for. Kill me. For Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Jesus Christ. I mean, the thing is, yes. the long Star Trek. Jesus Christ. Fifty votes, not for the Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence in a spaceship movie, but for a long Italian movie that I keep meaning to see because I like this guy and I like existential movies. A movie called The Passenger. Uh, one uh. of these days, I'll need to see that. Thirty votes for what is referred to as. Geostorm, comma, oh sweet Geostorm. <laughs> Our friend Brett voted That's for the that. That's the Uncle Remus version. We really miss Brett. Brett's great. 30 votes for the proposition. 50 votes for – and this is the guy who won our very first drawing for – and made us watch a Tyler Perry movie only because there's a Dwayne Johnson appearance at the end. So you know, actually, I think I should thank him for that. But this guy voted 50 votes for Universal Soldier – Day of Reckoning. Skip the first three. I thought was the thing about Kurt Russell being dropped on a trash planet. You guys explained to me it was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Or yeah, something he's like non-universal soldier. Yeah. Dingus, take it away. What else? Uh, Okja. Fifteen votes. A Wrinkle in Time, the movie that's out right now. By the way, Okja, I would love to hear a Kelly Wan synopsis. And I also I kind of want Dingus to see that maybe. Uh, five votes. Oh. Yeah, five votes for the current wrinkle in time. Ugh, glad we dodged that bullet. Uh, we also got five votes for the good, bad, and the ugly. We yes. also got five votes for the Maltese Falcon, which would have been really fun. Uh, we also got five votes for Mute, which is something Tom loves. It would not have been really fun uh, if you if you think Duncan Jones. If you want to see Duncan Jones make fun of Moon, Mute is the movie for you. <laughs> Same title. Duncan Jones is just on a downward trajectory I'm i didn't mind you know, i look i had no problem with the warcraft movie source code fine uh i liked source code very much but it's no moon we and, and also uh dingus yeah. it's too, too easy dingus way too easy right. i'm sure if you were to come well, up to duncan jones at a party and and make a reference like that he never would have heard that i'm, I'm quoting kelly Wan. i think that was one of his uh yeah, that was my tagline Still, it's still too easy, even when Kelly Wan does it. And how do you say this? Stro- 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 just say early Herzog. Early Herzog. 
45 uh, votes. Erzog. Uh, chopping Mall. From the same guy who voted for Strotsek. He, he wanted five of his votes to go to Chopping Mall. Is that the one where the, the deadly laser robots uh, who are the security for the mall kill the teenagers? Are you really asking us or me that? That's weird science. I'm not asking you, Dingus, but <laughs> Kelly Wan, I thought, might know. It's not weird uh, science. They're, little, they're like Johnny Five. They're little squat robots. And the company has this idea that, you know what? We won't have to have security guards in the mall when it's closed. We're going to have these robots patrol the mall. But then lightning strikes the mall and drives the robots insane where they go uh, crazy. And they kill some capricious teenagers who've decided to break into the mall that night. Just don't go to the mall. Problem solved. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that's Lightning. what mall is. Lightning will Yeah. Hmm. I don't mess you up. So Next we have Jinro the Wolf Brigade. Ten votes. From Paul Brzezinski. That's where Jack Lennon and John Steinbeck uh, collaborated. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Kelly Wong. <laughs> All right, please continue. I, I went Kelly Wan to read the next one. Yeah, Kelly Wand, what was this one that got six votes? Wings of Harmonies. Yeah, what else is it known as, Kelly Wand? Uh, the Royal Air Force? No, Space Air Force. Royal, Royal Space Force, Kelly Wand. Royal Space Force. We could have seen a movie called Royal Space Force. Does that sound anime to you? No. It's, well, it sounds monarchial. <laughs> what, what comes after that one? Yeah, Kelly Wand, what's next? Uh, <clears throat> Maltby? Samurai X, Trust and Betrayal. Huh, does that sound anime to you, Kelly Wand? No. Huh, well, that Sounds got 10 like, votes. That was a Jacqueline Smith miniseries in the 80s. Based on <laughs> what about this stone. next one, Kelly Wand? Does this next one that got one vote sound like anime to you? My name? It sounds uh, like half of a, a movie title. And then what other four movies did, did this uh, our fellow Richard Holt vote for besides the, My Name? The Prestige, Wishful Thinking. Uh, the Big Sleep. Um, sounds boring. <laughs> JK. Uh, Rear Window. Uh, sounds like, oh, the rapist was going to rash him on. I prefer uh, when my, my friend and I argued about what happened in Rashomon afterwards and another friend. <laughs> Three of us argued. That was, that was worth waiting for, Kelly Wan. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think the execution made up for the con. <laughs> Our very good friend Alexandra, 60 votes uh, towards My Neighbor Totoro, which, you know, I just watched that anyway. God, I love that movie. That was so and, sweet of her, I think. All right. And then this is just above and beyond. This fella is – we just can't say enough good yeah. things about him. He's the best uh, dude ever. We're, yeah. we're really hoping that he can come out and hang out with us and that when he does, Kelly Wan will have finally gotten his sorry ass back to the United States and will live here. I'm working on so uh, let's just roll down. These are all Markinson's votes, and and a lot of these too. You can tell. I mean, bless his heart. He votes for things because he knows we like them. And uh, uh, you'll you'll see here. Awardous. Fifty for Brick. Fifty for Two Thousand and One: A Space Odyssey. Fifty for Midnight Run. Fifty for Jaws. Fifty for Crank High Voltage. <laughs> Why, man? Thank you, Kelly Wan. Thirty for Hunt for Red October. Twenty-five for Wild. 25 for Watchmen. Oh, look what won. 25 for 12 Monkeys. Hmm. Martinson won the raffle. Yep. 25 for Snapshot. 25 for Big Trouble in Little China. 15 for Alien. 15 for American Psycho. 15 for Spirited Away. 15 for Paprika. 15 for Your Name. 15 for 
Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan in the Mouton Nebula with the fine Corinthian leather and William Shatner screams. Mm. And then finally, five for Arrival. William Shatner screams was his first album. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was the. So here's what we're going to do. We uh we can't wait to do our Twelve Monkeys podcast. Uh, I have not seen that. Kelly Wan just watched it. I haven't seen it in quite some time. Uh, I think it's got a really good. It's either Soundtrack. got a really good director's commentary, or the Criterion version has some really good observations about Terry Gilliam. Uh, anyway, we'll have more talk of that. Uh, I think what we're going to do though is because Tomb Raider opens. The baby. Yeah, we love our Alicia Vikander. We're all huge fans of the video game. We can't get enough of those slasher movies that Roar Uthog made. His his movie about a uh, a tidal wave in the fjords of Norway. Boy, that was awesome. Uh, so Tomb Raider is going to be great. So we want to do that on opening weekend. Tomb so what greater. we're going to do? What? Tomb Greater. Tomb Raid. Oh, I oh I see that. Kelly one. Why didn't you save that for the tagline? Oh. so what we're going to do is we're going to see tomb raider next week uh and then give you guys two weeks to catch up on watching 12 monkeys with us and then two weeks from now uh, that's six monkeys a week our our 12 monkeys podcast oh actually wait a minute did we then i hate you wait what about our three by three Uh uh-oh uh-oh no there's still it's march dude march goes on forever doesn't it you know what we'll do uh oh shoot should we do I guess we'll just kick the three by three down the road. We can do that. Yeah, right? that's fine. Yeah, or, we'll yeah. have more time to audition. Yeah, so it gives you more time to send your favorite auditions to three x three at quarter three dot com. Let us know what your favorite auditions in movies are. We'll do a podcast about that on the first of April. Oh, ah, and that's not a joke either. Oh no, wait. Yeah, first of April. Wait, are you fooling? <gasps> no, I'm not. See, Tom's uh, we'll not a fool. Tomb Raider on the 18th. Uh, He's an idiot. And then 12 Monkeys on the 25th. Um, we'll see you guys then. Oh, Again, wow. 12, 25th. What? I, I know. Do you remember what William Shatner's first album was called? Um, a Taste of a taste of Bill? Something like that? No, it was The Transformed Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that my dad had that in his apartment. and I didn't know he was in the crying game. I was like, oh, I want to... I want to listen to that. He's like, it's not a Star Trek thing. And it's <laughs> totally free. It's a Transformers thing. It's like me going to see Sorcerer because Roy Scheider was in it and discovering, oh, it's not a Jaws thing, but it's really cool anyway. I Except it was you didn't get the really cool anyway part of the experience with the. No, Shatner. I did not. It was yeah. not a cool experience. Yeah. <laughs> I was about spells and it turns about trucks. I actually, you know, I do, I do recall being a little taken aback by that because there was there'd been a Ralph Bashke thing called Wizards, and you would think that sorcery right. would be the same kind of thing. Yeah, there's wizards, and then there's oh sorcerer. There's a but then it helped because then when Star Wars came out, I go, oh, it's bullshit. Like sorcerer, it's going to be about movie stars fighting backstage. And then when the spaceship showed up, I'm like, oh, cool, all right, good. Sorcerer before Star Wars? <laughs> I can't I don't be care. Right. Look, I don't. <laughs> That's the right. <laughs> Kelly Wan got the correct answer. Anyway, join us next week for Tomb Raider. The week after for Twelve <laughs> Monkeys. The week after that for our favorite auditions. If you see Tomb Raider, 
Let us know what you think, and I know you're all going to see it on opening weekend. Send us your thoughts before midnight on March 18th in an email to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. Is it dumb? Is it good? Is Alicia Vikander a good Laura Croft? How does it live up to the reboot? What do you think of Roar Uthog's direction? Let us know. We'd love to include your comments on the podcast. So I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Brzezinski. It's Christian Murawski. And, of course, Kelly Wand. On German Netflix, Terra Nova's under talk shows. Body switch movie, Kellen Lutz and Taylor Lautner. (laughs) I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Because I watched Annihilation, Netflix thinks I'd like no strings attached. <laughs> you should take Krav Maga. <laughs> um, okay. If you say so, dingus. Um, um yeah, okay. You play sports? Um, you look like you play sports, Kelly. I play skin flute. <laughs> 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 <laughs>